0: Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorn, action movie screenwriter.
1: And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster.
0: And Together, we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard.
1: Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse.
0: Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere.
1: Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies, and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre.
0: So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard... Ooh, very nice. ...then Die Hard on a Blank is for you! Yes, you, personally!
1: Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece, Die Hard, dropped December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now
2: we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Liam. Before we jump into this week's episode, we wanted to point you in the direction of justiceforbriana.org. This is a website that you can visit to sign petitions, to get some phone numbers, and to donate to the family of Brianna Taylor, who was murdered by police. In the past few weeks, we've heard the names Tony McDade, Dominique Fells, and Rhea Milton. Tony McDade was murdered by the police. Dominique Fells and Rhea Milton were found last week murdered to support transgender black life please visit the dot there's lots of useful ways you can contribute there thank you we hope you enjoy this week's episode i'm liam billingham
0: i'm george Fergopoulos.
3: I- i'm matthew kroll <gasps> yes
1: and this is the Nailed other it. podcast about movies <laughs> <laughs> nice liam thank you thank you got me got you Hi, Uvra Busters. Ah, Here we are. Matt, what's going on?
3: You know, just, uh, I mean, living the Bat Dream, it took all my, it took all of my, I don't know, internal energy to not, instead of saying my name, just go, and I'm Batman. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But I (laughs) did it.
1: When we did the Dark Knight Rises podcast, I would just be like... (laughs) <laughs> the Fire Riser.
0: It was great. Yeah, it was great listening to Liam just do that for an hour and a half. Yeah.
1: Was, I uh, imagine. I mean, I'll well, well, do it right now if you just want. Please you do, can all please listen. Do. Oh, my God. Do the whole episode. <laughs> do the whole episode that way.
3: Lego Batman. You merely adopted the brick. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, no, I am very excited. I, I have been uh, trying to play catch up with your your, your bat, your, the, the bat oeuvre that you have uh, continually Batman. been busting. I'm Batman, and, and and busting does make me feel good. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, should I, do the, that, the most man. recent one uh, you, I'm trying to remember. You did the you've been doing sort of chronologically, uh, not counting you know sixty six. You did sixty six. We that jumped backwards. Correct. Yeah, uh, you just did what? Uh, do, uh, bat, bat bats v soups, right? Bat v soups. Dawn of IP.
1: Yes, yes. we did, and um, and then we have our Justice League episode. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you holding up? In the quarantine times. Uh,
3: you know, I'm uh, okay. It's it's fine. Uh, me and my cat Zoe have hunkered down. Uh, I've been saying to people, um, I don't know if either of you were very much into board games or not. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. Yeah, George, what about you?
0: I am not particularly, but I don't have anything against board games. Right. But. Uh, fuck
3: so board a, the, games. There's a complicated, <laughs> weird, <laughs> fuck board game.
0: I <laughs> guess but, now's a good time to play them online, right?
3: Right. Yeah. 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 There's a game that uh, came out a few years back called Gloomhaven, and it's hyper expensive. It's 18 pounds, and you can only play it once. It's got, like, Whoa. stickers and blind boxes and, like, a bunch of stuff, and now in month two and a half or whatever of quarantine, I've it's reached quarantine-level blo- uh, Gloomhaven, and uh. now I have I have ordered said thing, and I'm going to try to split it up amongst my, my small quarantine of friends I have and see if we can Qu- do that, because time is meaningless.
1: Cor- I'm on Steam right now, and I'm looking at Gloomhaven, and it sounds... So good well yeah, yeah i'm I'm super into this
3: so well, that's where I'm at that's where I'm at mentally, physically, emotionally uh obviously, and some other stuff that's going on right now that I'm sure we'll touch on as we roll on through, but yeah, I'm okay yeah. I'm okay thank you for asking
1: well, we're glad and we're yeah, I think there's there's definitely whenever you're talking about Batman there's room to talk about law and order, yeah, which is uh, on everybody's mind right now let me let me uh in the movie of course that we're talking about George, what movie are we talking about?
0: We're talking about Lego Batman from 2017, but Liam, should we? Uh, did we introduce Matt? I'm going to do it
1: right now, George. Let's, I'm going to do let's it. Do Jesus it. Christ! I'm
0: just, I'm just trying to Matthew keep us Kroll on point.
1: Is a producer, voice actor, <laughs> and currently the showrunner and narrator for the YouTube channel Extra Credits, which last time I checked had 2.3 million subscribers, which is about the number of po- people that listen to this podcast. Um, he's also <laughs> give the or less... take a few million, <laughs> give or take two Three two nine million. Three million, yeah. Um, He's also the less educated but more handsome in-your-face Shahir, half of the erroneously titled podcast, the only podcast about movies. Um, Matt, we're happy to have you here, and I won't tell Shahir you said that. No, tell him. Tell him. Tell him that. that 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 Yeah, texting him right now. In (laughs) the,
3: in the, in the, the small bit that I wrote, that I specifically call that out because I mean he knows, but it's fun to uh remind him i think well, and uh, also
1: being tall doesn't make you handsome okay shahir being tall doesn't make you handsome
3: yeah i mean technically now look if we were to say who has better hair shahir does who is taller shahir is who again more educated <laughs> shahir is um but i think handsomeness is more uh, your your an, your you can area actually, yeah, it's an, and also it, there's a little bit of internal there too. Like you can give off, you can you can exude there's, handsomeness without being classically yeah. handsome. Like I don't know, Shahir Dowd is. That's what there's we do. variables. That's of That's what we yeah. do. We just yeah. we just exude handsome.
1: We don't actually possess I am, it. I'm or, seeing that uh, right now. Zoom is fantastic <laughs> to display handsomeness. The best part That's of just because that I is, have like this soft filter on. I then laugh <laughs> and uh, I see the giant gap in the top of my teeth and I'm like, ooh, ooh, um, George, <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you tell us what happens in Lego Batman?
0: I would be thrilled to, Liam. So Lego Batman begins with another attempt by the Joker, as played by Zach Galifianakis, as voiced by Zach Galifianakis, to destroy Gotham City. The Joker is, of course, foiled, of course, course, by Batman, voiced by Will Arnett. And Batman tells the Joker, in a rather emotional uh, showdown, that he actually doesn't need him or have really any feelings for him. And that their constant kind of tangles and antagonisms mean very little to him. Um this leads obviously to a new plot by the Joker to kind of like get Batman's attention and to show him how important he is in his life. Meanwhile, Commissioner Gordon is retiring and his daughter his daughter Barbara Gordon. As I just want to pause Ro- and and notice you wrote You wrote
1: Barbar. You wrote Barbara
3: Gordon, which
0: Bar-Bar, makes me think about the elephant yeah. oh, Barbara. Bar-Bar, the, the, they're close the, so you
3: can call her, you know, oh Barbara, yeah. Barbara, I love It's you. a
0: really weird mingling of intellectual properties here. We have Barbara the elephant and Batman. Bar-Bar. We should probably maybe maybe talk about that. So Barbara Gordon as voiced by Rosera Dawson becomes the new uh, commissioner of Gotham City, uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman kind of like falls in love with her. Apparently also it's like a kind of like royalty, a generational title. So commissioner of Gotham City just gets passed from one generation to another. Uh, it's at this moment also that Bruce Wayne accidentally adopts Dick Grayson, voiced by Michael Cera, who of course is an orphan looking for a father. And Scott Pilgrim. Um, And Scott Pilgrim, which I did not see. Maybe we could talk about it. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity actually ensues from the very, very beginning of this film. Um, There's an interesting kind of overlap with the Phantom Zone from the Superman cinematic and comic book universe. Uh, Joker gets exiled to it, where he kind of plans his new plot against Gotham and Batman. There's a couple of cameos by Superman and the rest of the Justice League. And basically the rest of the film um, is Batman trying to, again, get in touch with his feelings and to figure out what family is. And eventually, he defeats the Joker again. Well, actually, like interestingly enough, they kind of almost like team up, But we could talk about they that. They do team up anyway. Uh, Batman discovers what the meaning of family is. Aww. The end. And also, Alfred is voiced by uh, Ray Fiennes. I
1: think the meaning of family is having a shared HBO Max account. Is what I, mean. I. I was
0: no. I was gonna say podcasting. Oh. Podcasting with your bros. Listen,
3: podcasting does Deep. become a familial experience. <laughs> um, and, and then and, and you know what's nice about it. And then you know every once in a while we can all go uh, across uh, everyone's shows, be guests, etc. Yes. And then it's like. Minor family reunions where you specifically only invite one person each time, or two people, or whatever. You can yes. basically <laughs> podcasting is the family you can choose.
1: Well, listen, we exactly. don't we don't invite tall, freakish-looking guys to our podcast. <laughs> well, <all okay>? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny too.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about your podcast relationship he's the nicest guy i was thinking about your podcast and relationship to ours and I'm like we're not exactly sister podcasts we're not that close but maybe like kissing first cousins
3: i mean sure if that's if that's where we want to uh, go uh george uh, wow, just, my brain went to this place this podcast <laughs> called kokomo um welcome to but, kissing cousins <laughs> that's the that's the the sister podcast, podcast to both our podcasts
1: <gasps> we should do it. We, re- we yeah. record an episode once a year, and it's always about <laughs> incest. Uh, the Lego, <laughs> Lego Batman movie is directed by Chris McKay of the Lego movie. Um, it was written by Seth Graham Smith, who wrote... Talk about IP craziness. Uh, the It movie, he wrote Abra- Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies book. Mm. Uh, Chris McKenna, who worked on Spider-Man, I believe Homecoming, And Ant-Man and the Wasp, Eric Summers, Jared Stern, and John Whittington. It was produced by Dan Lin, Roy Lee, and most notably Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who, if I remember correctly, produced... Enter the Spider-Verse, which I think is one of the best superhero movies ever. The voice cast. Some have already mentioned, but we'll bring it up again. Will Arnett as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. Michael Sarah as Dick Grayson slash Robin. Rosario Dawson as Barbar Gordon. <laughs> Ray Fiennes as Alfred Pennyworth. I can't believe they got Ray Fiennes to play Alfred, and it was in a fucking Lego movie. That's Jenny great. Slate as Harley Quinn. Hector Lizado Elizondo as Commissioner James Gordon and my favorite there's a lot of like crazy cameo casting in this, but I had to note that Billy D. Williams plays Two Face because it's Finally. such a great <laughs> callback
3: to 1989 Batman. This cast
1: yes. in this movie is ridiculous Conan O'Brien is in this movie.
3: Conan oh, yeah. O'Brien. Is he um oh who is he? He's like he's one of the minor villains, right? Or is he he's is Riddler? He... Riddler. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He like shows up and cackles. And like I think Conan O'Brien would be a pretty sweet Riddler in like a uh, like a like i think conan o'brien could play riddler, except the whole time we would be like riddler i mean yeah. conan he's so tall Yeah. Uh. um this film was rushed into production after the success of the lego movie and the popularity of lego batman they did the whole thing in two and a half years from i believe like green light to to release which is insane it's nuts and a quick quote um, that I thought would be an interesting way to talk about this was the direct, was director Chris McKay saying, I basically pitched the movie to the studio and said that I wanted to make Jerry Maguire as directed by Michael Mann with a lot of jokes in it. And they kind of <laughs> let
3: me run with that. I,
1: I think that that's a good starting place to talk from. What'd you guys think? Matt, had you seen this before?
3: Oh, yes, very much so. Um, I think we might, yeah, we did. We did, uh, we did an episode on this when it first came out. Oh, shit. Uh, but I had not watched it, and I had it on Blu-ray, and then I watched it once after that, and then so this is the third time I've watched this film. Um, And, you know, it's funny because I, I was talking with some people saying that I was going to be on the show and that I was going to re- be re-watching Lego Batman, and everyone who had seen the film was like, fuck yeah. Everyone who had not seen the film was like, oh, like, like really? And I was like, you don't <laughs> fucking know. Like, it's, it's this weird thing because, like, because people even think – And I'll I'll die on this hill. I think Um, people like or dislike the Lego Movie. I feel like overall it's gotten a a positive um, response, but there are people that are just like I don't, I don't, I'm not into it. Right? Mm. I think Mm -hmm. even those people would enjoy Lego Batman for reasons I'll get into a little bit later. Um, But the there's just something there's an overall joy to this film. That I think it's firing on every cylinder, and it's working on, like, five or six levels that uh, most... A lot of animated films do, like, one or two things. So, like, some for the kids, some for the adults. But this is, like, even down to the Billy D. Williams cameo as Two-Face. Yeah. Like, it's firing on a trillion cylinders. Even down to, like, my B-movie love affairs with stuff like Jim Cotta. Like... It, there's yes. a jim Ka- there's two Jim cotta references in this <laughs> movie oh, that's this right yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I think
1: that's interesting yeah there's two Jim cotta references yeah
3: wow. so I don't know i I love this film I was so psyched when you when you guys uh invited me on to talk about it uh yeah so i'm 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 ready George
0: I had a lot of fun yeah. watching this is the first lego movie I think I've seen actually um although like obviously like I'm aware of like the franchise in general I and know, I've heard I great- know Lego I know, I know I've Lego heard, about, I've heard of them. Yeah. I've leg, heard of that. Leg, I, I can't wait. For, I can for the Playmobil, the Playmobil film. The Duplo oh. film. The yeah, du- we have wait. Duplos. Can't, can't fucking wait. Um, I just had a great time watching this. Mm-hmm. I think I, um, I had, I mean, issues. I had um certain kind of reservations. I think similar to what uh, reservations that you had, Liam, about maybe certain aspects of it being a little bit kind of like cliched and a little bit kind of predictable. But this, especially coming from the Snyder films and how fucking serious those films are, this film was like such a breath of fresh air. And again, because I hadn't seen any of the other Lego films, the animation and the visual dynamic of this like really kind of like captivated me and, and blew me away. So I just really had like a really fun time watching this. And yeah. also, I think also considering what's happening in quarantine, also it was like, wow, I kind of just needed... A fun like silly film to like get me out of my uh head for two hours although there were also things about this film that like really resonated which maybe we'll talk about and kind of um really made me think about certain other things that are happening right now Mm -hmm. in america uh in minneapolis but we could maybe talk about those things in a bit more detail what about you liam um
1: i've gone back and forth so i watched the lego movie excuse me
3: I watched an. Uh, the... You're getting all
0: emotional. It's okay. You could, you, you <laughs> could take cry. your time. You could find the podcast. Like really, yeah, yeah, just like you know, absorb the
3: moment about how you, you felt internally, emotionally, <laughs> esoterically when you first saw that first Lego movie. Um, I watched the first Lego movie on a plane. Remember
1: planes? And um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think the my favorite thing about the Lego, the original Lego movie was when it stops being a Lego movie and becomes a real world movie because it like attains a whole other level of resonance. Um, I watched this movie in two sittings because of my life um, and the first 30 minutes I was like, wow, this is fucking amazing. And then I watched the rest later and I was less into it, but that was like 36 hours ago and... It, Hearing you guys talk about it and also thinking about it, I think I like it more than the the, jo- the thoughts, the things that I wrote down would imply. Um, I also think that I probably, and I think George can speak to this. Um, I don't recommend watching every Batman movie in a row over and like a, a shortened period of time because it 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 makes you a little less um, able to just absorb and enjoy. The experience yeah. of engaging Batman. Yeah, leave that to the, the professionals. You, leave course, it to the yeah, professional. Yeah. Leave it to the real. Um, but I think that this movie has some of the. I would say that this is like a top, th- th- top three to five Batman movie, um, and I think it's in some ways the most subversive. I'm gonna and hot I think take that's hot,
3: exciting. Hot take. I think this, in the year of some Lord 2020, is the best Batman movie. Whoa. No let's take.
1: hear let's hear some if you if you can sort of improvise in the moment could you rank maybe your
3: top 3 or sure. 4 Batman uh, movies So right so uh, you know um going in this order say that is the top because the one that sort of ping pongs back and forth for me for top is batman returns i think it's for me personally is sort of the right mix of when i saw it as a kid so there's the nostalgia but you go back and watch it and it's much darker than you remember and it's also kind of like it's dark but it's still fun because it's batman not like snyder verse dark because darkness is dark and also dark 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 so like that that's sort of where i sort of land on dark dark. yeah (laughs) all great movies start in black And then, um, and then probably, and again, hotter, milder, hot take. I think Batman Begins is my next one on number three, followed by Hmm. Dark Knight. Um, I really, and that wasn't true for a long time, but I really like Batman Begins. Was the first like time when I was like, "Oh, this can be reinvented." and while while i will probably say that on a standalone like you know if you rank all of the imaginary points that you can rank movies on like yeah the dark knight is a is a more grand impressive film and therefore could be considered better it's also can do that because of the work that begins did mm-hmm. like so i i just when i watched begins i was like holy crap they put batman in the real world they put batman in the real world. And they made it make as much sense as it possibly could. And uh it, it, that film has flaws too, but I think that's my order. I think currently Lego Batman number 1, Batman Returns number 2, Batman Begins number 3, Dark Knight down 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 down. So that's okay, so you think it's your
1: it's your favorite. Is it because of the humor or is it the the tone?
3: Is there something specific that that elevates it for you? And it's interesting because I do think personally i think that like favorite lists or things that are sort of tied to like a specific human being's preferences should be ever fluid because we are always changing as people um and again i think probably yeah probably close to the way i was feeling around 2019 maybe a little earlier to, to now um does make this feel like it's something that takes something i love and doesn't uh doesn't try to wrap it in something else I don't like and then gives me something in addition that I didn't know I wanted. For instance, Mm. Batman is kind of a dumb concept. It it is. It's inherently silly. The 60s knew that. The comic books are comic books, so that's sort of in its own world. I love that they were able to transform it into something more serious and, and somewhat grounded in cinematic reality for Batman and Batman Returns. I love even drenching it in neon and making it silly in a weird sort of bad way when it came to Forever and Robin. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and then when they redid it and like super grounded it in reality, which I think the, like, I feel like Zack Snyder and all those films kind of learned the wrong lesson from the Nolan trilogy, which was like, oh, make it grim. It's like, well, no, make it in reality, which is inherently grim. So like, the, so so coming off of all of that currently, Lego Batman does exactly what Batman does best and no pun intended due to Lego builds off of that through the different levels it works with the meta humor, the stuff you can look and find if you need to dig. But also like throughout all of that, it's still probably, to be honest, the most emotionally resonant from a human perspective story that Batman has been on film. I am not talking about animated series because if we're going there uh and i know bask of the phantasm could have been on the on the original list but i was just sort of sticking with um i don't know why because this is animated anyway that that is why (laughs) i feel like that is why because of the tone and tenor of the day and what i'm looking for in a story plus where i think batman kind of works best now that i've seen it in a lot of different genres I think this is the best way to do a Batman story, playing off the intrinsic ridiculousness of the character and having him learn something. I don't think there's mm-hmm. been a mo- a Batman movie other than him learning he wants to be Batman where he's learned something
0: yeah, I think the first half hour of this film I think is really i mean and obviously like it builds I think to like an emotional um level too so like it does kind of Build towards something, but the first, the take on this character for the first half hour, like, actually addresses things that the other films, like, do not address, Mm -hmm. and also, like, the fact that he admits constantly that he's, like, always angry, like, his anger, and obviously it's played for, like, humor, but it comes back over and over and over again, that this is, like, an angry fucking dude, and it's really interesting to see that addressed in a really kind of direct manner, because, like, I think even in the Nolans, where obviously there's a lot of trauma there, and the character talks to uh, talks about it, and it's addressed. Mm-hmm. But like in the Nolan films, like is anger ever brought up? Like I don't think it is. Well, anger uses
3: a tool in it. Like he hones it for yeah. like for his ninja esque self. Like he he right. uses it to instill fear in people. But he doesn't like the intrinsic anger that he. I don't think in internal anger or seeing him like actually angry and not using it as a weapon. Uh, is really too present. I don't. Sorry, uh, Leah, my interruption.
1: No, no, I, I was just going to say that I think this movie, to speak to that point, is because it's animated and it's not animated in the more classical, traditional style of the TV show, has the ability to make, to do things visually, and that the, that the films could never do. And I think that what I mean is that like one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that when it comes to the characters there's absolutely no subtext. So like Will Arnett, who I think is an amazing Batman. He's like one of the best Batmans ever can literally just say like, I'm angry. I'm always angry. Like he can do that. And we accept it because of like the medium that they've, the way they've chosen to tell the story, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, all of this is based on comic books. I don't like it when people say that something is like particularly comic booky or whatever the case is, but they are able to in a sophisticated way be very like plain and direct with what characters are feeling. And yeah. I think that like there's a lot of, you know, Nolan Nolan has this quality. I wouldn't say in his filmmaking, but in his storytelling of like feeling a need to withhold a little bit. And so mm. I think that like the the quote unquote anger that you would feel from the character is just it's not it can't get st- it's hard to like one of the the problems with the the Nolan movies in some way is a lot of characters talking about how they feel but you don't necessarily always see that on screen so clearly but what right. i love about the style of this movie is they're able to like create visual images like the photo of his parents next to the photo of his new family that are like mm-hmm. able to say things without having the character have to have like a subtle shift in the way he behaves or anything like that. The animation yeah. kind of allows for that.
3: And this might be the first one too, along with sort of uh, Batman Bruce Wayne learning something, is also the thing that also like does address outside of a fear toxin the concept of fear f- that what Batman is afraid of, rather than him just constantly using fear against criminals. Air quotes are all around in in all of this. Mm-hmm. So like it, you know I think uh does Alfred call it out in this film where he's like oh your your greatest fear is uh or losing or is having and losing a family or something along those lines Right um which is oh no being part of yeah your greatest fear is being part of a family again and that's something that's like yeah here's this dude granted in Will Arnett uh Lego block form but like that has every Advantage all the money in the world and gets to dress up in a Halloween costume and punch poor people, as I believe uh, Barbara Gordon says at some point in. Oh, it's in so this good!
1: Film. Yeah, I can't. B- it's just like it's I, there in the movie.
3: Yeah, I know. Uh, like you know, and the reason he's not doing anything but that, and sort of focusing on this like rage and how awesome he is, is because he's just he's literally afraid to let more people into his life because of the fact that something bad could happen to them and now batman comic books have dealt with that quite a bit and i know in some of the other films there are hints of that like but that's but i always feel like in the other batman films it's less an internal thing and more of used as like a a reason for a secret identity yeah and it's like okay like but here it's like laid out
0: Well, it's also almost never essential to the plot, too, in the way it is here. Where, like, obviously here, it's like essential to like what happens in the rest, in the pretty much the entirety of the film.
3: Yeah, and and it goes above it. I'm sorry if I'm just like spraying love all over this this film, but it does it does really get me. Gross. Ooh, get it off my (laughs) film. Um, Love spray. (laughs) That sounds like something Condiment King would use. Um, (laughs) so. Uh, the way that this movie does that, of course, it does it with the the surrogate family that he builds and his he's keeping an emotional wall from keeping people that he cares about around him. He Batman is also, and it's a major plot and solution in the film, is keeping an emotional distance from the people he hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And unpacking that in a child's movie about plastic bricks is nuts. Like yeah. it's so smart and it like this has, this film has as many levels as you want it to have. Well, I think what it does a
1: little bit to that point is it kind of, and I don't think it does this in a crew and like an intentionally like fuck you way, but it sort of repudiates the self seriousness of the Nolan ones and, and the, um, the Schneider, the Schneider verse yeah. versions as well, because like, you know, one of the things that people thought was so rev, kind of amazing in the original, um, or in the one with the Dark Knight is when the Joker says, like, you complete me. And, like, I, I have a feeling we're going to be doing this for a long, long time. Like, there was that whole culture of that, like, being like, whoa, they went for it. Whereas yeah. this movie just goes, like, why don't you guys just admit that you're in love? Like, there's, you, there's like, if this were not mm-hmm. a kid's movie, it's a kid's movie. But if it weren't, you'd want a line where, like, someone is like, why don't Batman and Joker just fuck? Like, why don't they yeah. just <laughs> get it over with?
0: There's only, there is one line like that, right? Like, one or two lines in the Dark Knight. Uh, but that's about, about them about fucking it. no not about them fucking but about like where the joker basically says something along the lines of or like i'm your opposite or something or like you, you need, need me you to justify know, it's, it's your definitely, existence. Yeah, yeah there's definitely like a... it's there but it's not again like the central p- point of the film i'm curious about why the lego aesthetic in general
3: like why well, oh why use that
0: Yeah, well I mean just I'm just it's like a very interesting like intellectual property to turn into a film. And I think like while I was watching this, I was like, and obviously I realized that this isn't the first one. So again, like the first one was twenty fourteen, I believe. Yep. But just the Yeah, I was just kind of curious about like what is it that it does? And (laughs) is it is it primarily about nostalgia? So is it because it works on two levels? Is it because it works on the level of nostalgia for parents of like, oh, I grew up playing with these, and does it work on the level of let's say for the for the primary audience, obviously being kids, of being like, oh, okay, I still play with these things. So that there's like this kind of two sided attachment to this intellectual property. I think all animated,
1: yeah, merchandising, and also, yeah, no, no,
0: but I mean, but but, but again, besides though, I mean, if, uh, yes, I mean, obviously, like merchandising to some more shit, but I also wanted to try to think about it beyond that.
3: Well, like on on that point, this is one of those rare wondrous times that blind. Corporate want lines up with a product that also is meaningful on not only a narrative level, but on a I guess contextual level based around two different childhood properties that most people that go see this film uh, that are on the older side of things mm-hmm. will remember. One of which has a very happy tactile sort of built-in memory yeah. base that you'll go into and the other one something that's been flooded in pop culture for l- literally as long as i've been alive so uh right. and so when you have that convergence uh I, I it's it's rare but the the reasons why the film is made and in the aesthetic that it is they decided and it feels like because it was such a quick turnaround time they knew that was the reason why it was being made going in but really smart, talented people who gave a shit mm-hmm. decided... And, and also, people that love both Batman and Lego right. came together, industry professionals, to go in this wheelhouse of, yes, we understand we need to get this product out by this time because there's this many toys coming out and maybe Christmas. Uh, and just said, okay, and now we're going to work in that space and we're going right. to turn out something special. I think that's it's amazing when that can work out.
1: And also, one, and I think to your point in a weird way, like we talk about the politics being good or bad. This has some of the best politics in a, in a Batman movie, Mm -hmm. because I feel like McKay and the team. And I think that like Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, Chris Miller and and the whole team had the ability to go like, we still have to honor the like subversive place that a lot of this work that we, that we make comes from. I mean, Chris McKay's first job was on robot chicken. So like, he's pretty aware of like the kind of comedy he can make. And I think that like, the decision in the original to attach the the Lego kind of to so like a child's trauma from having like a neglectful parent is like a really really smart thing that that movie does. At least that's how I read the ending of it, and it does something similar with the Bruce Wayne character. Like it's a it is sort of to your point. It's amazing that you were able to get like a fairly non i mean it's a it's a big studio property but one with things like batman saying very clearly he doesn't pay his taxes yeah and and other stuff singing that he doesn't sing doesn't taxes. pay his taxes and also being like it can satisfy two things but little boys can see the like batch sh- bat tank and all the stuff that they see and think it's really cool and adults can watch it and be like jesus christ like this is the most mil- i mean this is like like we're supposed to take seriously the militarization and the the nolan batman and think it's like really cool as adults but when it's shown this way and this one at least i was like oh my god especially with what's going on in the in the united yeah. states this week watching it but you're yeah. like it is for adults i think that are paying attention a- it kind of reveals, sort of to your point, Matt, how ridiculous Batman is yeah. and how ridiculous the culture has like pushed him into like us being, needing to take him, quote-unquote,
3: seriously. I, I even think, too, this is a film that actually can portray to children the negative aspects of Batman. On the mm-hmm. other films, no matter which versions we're talking about, whenever it gets dark or sort of sad, it's just a slow scene of a rich dude in a mansion or in a, in a tricky situation or whatever. And it's just like a slow brooding moment with a stand and you see the bat signal and you're like, yeah, that's emotional or it's, you know, whatever he's working through stuff in those particular moments. What kids can probably understand better for uh, the sort of negative sides of Batman is the loneliness and the boredom because Mm. nothing's worse to a kid. As far as I can remember than being bored. And again that's right. a real privilege sort of thing to say but like I remember in my childhood like th- that was like when I was didn't understand what emotions were and I was a tiny tiny human like when I was bored or alone I knew something was like it, or me not being able to deal with that or whatever it was kind of like something was wrong or I didn't like that so this movie's right. showing that the negative aspects of Batman and how he acts causes him to be bored a lot and alone a lot and the mm. things that help him through his stuff is when when he actively gets out of his own way to take steps to have people around him. Like I think that's a really good message for kids that they can easily understand while also enjoying the 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 tank and the, the, the growler, the crawler, whatever he master builded, the 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 cat <laughs> right. looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Totally. Um how did you guys feel so like I think that one thing we've we've hit at is the idea of like we see him as lonely at the beginning of the film. We see him as bored at the beginning of the film. I don't know if uh, if you guys thought of this at all, but uh, the the scene when he's alone and he's like having his dinner, the he, he, he the lobster thermidor, he heated up and whatever, made me think a lot about David Fincher's The Game, which is oh, another wow. movie that huh. that has a scene early on where we see Michael Douglas like alone in his house on his birthday because he has like all the money in the world and he's like a piece of shit and you know one thing that the game does that that the the Lego Batman movie does is the arc of the character is to basically s- like take his his sort of self-absorbed, lonely and somewhat angry existence and become like more of a people person which mm-hmm. like in the david fincher movie which i I love that movie i think it's really good i think if i watched it now i'd be a little bit like i don't know if i really feel i don't think you're supposed to feel bad for the millionaire at the beginning of the movie but maybe you are whereas i feel like this movies and i understand it's where why it's going where it's going but at the my frustration with the movie is twofold and I'd, i'd like to hear your guys thoughts on this i think that the over, let's call it like intellectual propertyification of the movie really distracts, mm-hmm. even though it is Lego for me, because I spent the whole time thinking about, like, the fact that I was watching a bunch of different kids' toys be brought together for a movie, which frustrated me with this, and it frustrated me in the Scoob movie as well. But um, the other thing is that I think by the end we're we've the status is sort of quo with Batman, like he's become a better person, but nothing has really changed about the character and his like I don't know he nothing about the character has really changed he's just become like oh I'm a people person again and I I I think that sort of tradition traditional decision isn't as interesting as George put it as leaning into him still being like an asshole and a lunatic like I don't as much as I understand why he gets better I kind of don't like that he gets better and I know that that's antithetical to what the movie's doing but it
3: it bugs me a little bit. Well, the truth, th- this is the sort of the dark side truth of that whole statement. As soon as Batman is mentally okay, he's not Batman anymore. Totally, yeah. And there's nothing mm. wrong with the film sort of That's... going that direction. And this ki- it kind of, it doesn't like, he doesn't quit, but like... that's kind of the arc this would be go like there was a oh man there was a series of comics years ago maybe five or six years ago where it was batman inc i think it was called oh yeah and it was when batman like literally was like okay you know what let's treat this like a like uh, for lack of a better term like a business and like just hired out other bat people and made like a vigilante force and that's like the more grimdark uh dc comic book Style sort of of this where this is more of like the friendly like we're all in this together let's start a family working with the police Mm -hmm. and you know doing all that stuff, Um, I just uh, yeah Batman. The thing about Batman stories and it's amazing that he's lasted as long as he had really. I mean, I guess this is a larger conversation, but the reason why superheroes last is, you know, modern day mythology and they're basically the replacements of like the, you know, Greek and Roman gods and various cultures and things like that, even though they are run on a corporate timeline, yada yada, yada. But Batman specifically feels... That was a
1: whole episode of a podcast Yeah, in yeah, yeah, four yeah, sentences.
3: Yeah. But Batman specifically feels like he has an expiration date. Like his story should come to an end. Right. It's and like we've the Nolan just films. We've just liked him so much. That other than the Nolan films, they just never do. Every one of the first four Batman films ends with him running across the bat signal, like, right. and he 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 grieved for his family four times in those films, and like, <laughs> I don't right? Know. It's, well, uh, well, it's the episodic God.
1: nature of it. Like yeah. Nolan is not going to make. Um, it's just not in his DNA, I think, to be like, I'm going to make something that could continue on mm. forever. Yeah. Um, whereas which is you know a little bit absurd because of course it's going to continue on forever but i sort of see the the intent um but it is a good point that at the end of it if he's like oh i'm not angry anymore then he's no longer batman yeah. which i think is an interesting thing to think about um in terms of batman and bruce wayne being the exact same person in this movie which i think is one of the things that it does really well yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's that funny line at the very end right, where like he takes his mask off in front of Dick Grace and he's like, Oh my two dads or my one dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: It's yeah. so
1: good. <laughs> Michael Sarah's is great in this movie. Yeah. George, really how'd was. you feel about the second half of this thing?
0: Yeah, I mean again, like like uh where you were saying, I think there's a lot of kind of convention uh, conventional kind of um tropes or he takes us somewhere somewhat conventional. Um, I agree with what Matt said, and I think, like, that, for example, would have been, like, an interesting turn. Like, what happens to the character, let's say, when he resolves all of these kind of traumatic issues that he might have and how that would obviously kind of, like, lead to the end of Batman, the, the dual identity yeah, of, like, who Batman is. I think the other kind of, like, issue that I had with it is, like, why is it that we have to have, like, kind of this establishment of a conventional family? And so, where, like, the family gets kind of reconstituted, obviously. So, like, Batman's the dad. Bat girl or bat woman barbar is Barbar is obviously the mom alfred is this kind of patriarchal uh more so patriarchal like grandfather figure and obviously dick grayson's the, the child or the son and i would that was like kind of the part that i i kind of like took a little bit of issue with that again it's just like it leads us to this kind of somewhat conventional place I in have, terms of the yeah constitution of the family
3: i have a few issues around that too i feel like i have been it's been nothing but a love fest so far we could get into a little bit some of the the negative things and uh, you know other (laughs) than steve mnuchin being one of the executive producers of this film (laughs) is uh, he still is
1: he a producer on this one he was an
3: executive producer on the lego batman movie oh i missed Uh, that i missed that part he should be the villain yeah. Uh, also, might have been illegal depending on who you're talking about. Constitutional law. Oh, I'm Does sure it, matter? it
1: was illegal. Um, oh, that's right.
0: 2017. This film. Yeah. Yeah. God. Goddamn.
1: Ah, uh, how same young we this, were. This is this same year as uh, Dawn of Justice. I it think
3: is, it right? is right.
0: Yeah,
1: I think so. it's the same yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, one of the one of the other problems I had with this film was it not knowing. This seems kind of standard for a lot of bat work. Uh what to do with a female <laughs> character. Um uh, first you have the Dreamweaver moment. It's not they don't play Dreamweaver. I forget what song they play when it might, he's, is it Dreamweaver? Is it Dreamweaver? That's, I feel like that's Wayne, every time because of Wayne's World. No, that's world. Wayne's that's World. it's where, where I, I go. go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, right. Ooh, Dreamweaver. Yeah. Ooh.
1: I had to sing. I haven't sang in a long time. It's like I'm there.
3: I believe you can get me through. <laughs> oh, my God. Night. Is
1: that whoever sings? Who sings Dreamweaver? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Google, save us. Vamp. Um, Somebody vamp. Someone
3: vamp. But the, well, the 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 vamping here is, so, okay, first they introduce Barbara Gordon as the love interest. Now, if you're familiar with Bat lore across the comic books, that's problematic for a lot of different reasons based on a lot of different timelines and a lot of different specific creepy stories, specifically in one of the newer animated films. Um, we don't have to get into that. But <laughs> let's, for the sake of argument, throw that all out the window and say, okay, Barbara Gordon is going to be Bruce Wayne Batman's love interest in the film. Does it need to happen? No but here we are but they did it but they did it but then they didn't do it because he even Mm -hmm. says he's like even if it's with your father figure and your surrogate son and your cool uh female friend who you're totally platonic with (laughs) like he, he like literally like calls it out however they call it out that they are not romantically involved and that's okay and that's a good message that's what right that's what the message should have been all along um And maybe that got lost somewhere in the cutting room floor. Maybe there's some scenes that they couldn't afford to create or whatever that sort of ease that line. Um, But, like, they try to have their cake and eat it, too, with Barbara Gordon. And I think it would have been a much stronger thing if it didn't even take the thing where Batman was, like, actually interested in her. He was just seeing her as the commissioner is not agreeing with the way Batman does shit. Right. And then eventually... They could be co-workers and platonic friends because straight up, uh, that's a lesson that a lot of young boys should fucking get. Uh, and and I, I'm glad it got there eventually, but it felt like it bumbled its way there. Uh, and I, it's not exactly clear. If you blink, you miss it. Can I just to
1: play not devil's advocate, because I actually I think I agree with you. But my question is. Is the attitude that Batman holds towards Barbara Gordon, Lego Batman, mm-hmm. has towards um, Barbara Gordon in the movie indicative of his character? Like, is there, a, is there a little bit of critique in that? Or do you think the movie just doesn't
3: know what it's, what it's trying to say? It, I, I, I think it is trying for critique. Okay. I think it fails on that because for three-fourths of their relationship two other times in the movie that the Dreamweaver or whatever song moment it was happened by Gary Wright by the way thank Gary you. Wright thank you yeah oh, Gary don't Wright. know who that is oh Gary F- friend, friend Ooh, of the podcast Gary <laughs> Wright <Right. laughs> we're putting you in this Batman movie tonight right. um, nice so so, and it like does it and then it kind of forgets that when it, especially when it goes back to the Joker sort of emotional thing and then there's just one more call at the end like oh by the way we're woke so, like, it, mm-hmm. the, and maybe it's called out, maybe it's so glaring to me because every other critique of the Batman story and the problematic things of it, like, again, the the anger, the fear, the loneliness, all that stuff is played up for laughs and to get you, like, oh, yeah, this is Batman. And then it kind of comes to a natural roller coaster, smooth ride-esque sort of down to where we're going to end up at the end of the movie. And in this one, it just sort of drops it two-thirds through and then has a throwaway line at the end about Barbara Gordon. And so yeah. it hits the note, but it's definitely flat, I guess, is how I would put that. It's really interesting. Um,
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought I had something to say. George, I don't have anything to say. George, <laughs> vamp.
0: Damn. Uh, should I sing? Should I just yeah, sing. you haven't
1: No. no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I usually save it for before we start recording just to like... You know, he get the, like, war- the final warm up countdown. the voice, and whatnot. <laughs> I- <laughs> the other, the other, <laughs> the other <laughs> nice, lovely—is it reverb? I, I reverb, uh, you can <laughs> cut that out if you want. It's called no, that's, <laughs> no, no That's going we're, we're in the whole episode. Man. Are you kidding? Me? Are you
1: yeah. That in your, uh, we're gonna turn on the bane filter. Oh, no. The
0: other thing that, the other thing that for me like did not really land well, and I think it's because of obviously what's going on now in America is the whole thing about like her graduating from like the Harvard of police
3: Harvard School of Police
0: <laughs> yeah and I was and I was like I was like does that mean you are like really excellent at extrajudiciously like murdering civilians in the streets yeah. is like that's what we're going for like oh, yeah. it was just like It was, like, thinking about, like, the politics of, like, vigilantism and the, like, the association with, like, Batman and the police in this film. And I was like, oh, man. Again, it brought up, like, all of these reactionary politics that are to some degree endemic in the franchise. So that what I loved about this film, again, is that there are, like, these critiques, like, right, these moments of critiques of the politics. But, again, it's, like, this kind of question that I constantly have about, like, well, can we do something with these characters with this one character in particular that like eventually gets us to a place um, where it's like something exceptionally entirely new.
1: Well, there are all... Like... Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, like again, like why can't we, for example, just have like one of these movies, like just one where at the very end, the character's like, I've overcome all my trauma. I don't need to be who I am. Let other like kind of forms of justice like do this kind of work, or right? Even... And this film almost gets us there.
3: And even, you know... It... You could even put it, and I guess maybe the verse kind of does this, because, like, Batman, like, look, trauma is trauma, and you never actually get over trauma. You learn right. to live with trauma. And so, like, th- I feel like the verse kind of does it in a weird way in that moment with uh, him and Selena Kyle yeah. and Alfred at the thing. Like, that's kind of a very Christopher Nolan-esque-like resolution. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean.
1: Though there's an argument to be made that that sequence at the end of the movie in The Dark Knight Rises is a fantasy, which I only yeah, bring up course. because I think that there is a quality in, in Nolan's movies to, to, to especially at the end of them, to make you go like, did this happen or do, did this not happen? And I think that like when it comes to these issues of trauma and stuff, like not that I don't like that he does that, but it does feel a little bit like of a cheat. Like I sometimes wish sure. the endings were a little more concrete. It's what I love about the ending of um, The Dark Knight is that it creates two potential ways to interpret what's like, you know, the fact that, gordon is lying and what was actually happening is more like i think that that's a really great touch yeah. i don't think it works quite as well at the end of dark knight right that's
0: why you also really love the ending of a uh, dunkirk right because you're like god what happens we'll never find out what happened during this war oh well <laughs> it's like we're just gonna have to guess it's that christopher nolan ambiguity
3: oh i i i don't get it a uh, hot take <laughs> again. Uh, my hot takes. I'll call out all the time. Uh, Do it. I'm not a huge fan of Dunkirk.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I really like it, but that's a different. That's a different, it's a different podcast. Think, but uh, it's a uh, different podcast.
3: Tying it back to, to sort of Nolan's Nolan's handling of Batman and his mm-hmm. directing, sort of, I guess, style or the types of stories he likes to make. And please don't get me wrong. I know intrinsically Dunkirk is a fantastically made film. That does not land for me specifically. Um, mm-hmm. uh, th- uh, the, the way that, I think the way that Christopher Nolan does storytelling uh, for me ha- has to sort of land around a large specific concept as opposed yeah. to the insane machinations of war. Because, mm-hmm. because, uh, and again, I, one of the series I work on on the YouTube channel on Extra Credits is called Extra History, and I was a fan of history, but I was never a buff before I started this job like two years ago, and the the madness of the actual decision making in war, like we hear a lot about, uh, is, and as we should, the the violence and the death counts and like all the stuff, but the decision making and the politics and all of the stuff that has gone on since the beginning of recorded history is effing nuts. And when you take, I think, Nolan's style and put it into something like war, there's too many unanswered questions in that mm. in that feeling that you described of like, oh, sort of what, I don't know if this is real or not or what happened. Not that there's, you know, I'm, I'm spreading off. The reason I think it works with Batman is because it is a focal point and he, we can land on that and we understand, like, it, even no matter how complex Batman is, we can very easily as a human being wrap ourselves around the complexities of Batman. And therefore the storytelling that he does, I think works for me. Um, Well, I think
1: that to your point, what just a really quick thing about Dunkirk, a critique or a a real problem I have with Dunkirk is that the Nazis are never referred to as Nazis. They're always just referred Mm, to as the enemy. And like, again, I like that movie a lot, but I think there's something to me apolitically problematic and not being about not being like hey the people that the um the british in this case are fighting are fucking nazi fascists like i wish the movie it's such a nolan thing to be like it's not about that and it's like well it is like history will dictate that that's what that is you know what i mean and that really bothers me and and we should continue
3: to keep reminding pieces of of even entertainment and history that that is an important message of it like i right that's a bigger conversation uh, you know Germany is not letting people forget it in a good way in their educational system and stuff like that and other places already started to have and it's only been what 60-ish something years right years. Mm-hmm. So, well this one for
1: example yeah.
3: Um, um, yeah but back to back to George your 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 point uh, as well about sort of the handling of police mm-hmm. um, yeah it's a dark time to have a gung-ho sort of well again, policing human beings in society is a complex as fuck topic and because everything is as simple as possible to get the archetypes across in this film the police are seen as bastions of good and barbara gordon is sort of the people coming out and saying like calling out the problems with vigilantes and and whatnot yada 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 um but it is hard to rally behind that currently knowing that police are not a monolithic force of good uh there are bad eggs abound and, and I would yeah what was that?
0: No no go ahead yeah, yeah
3: oh no so like um I mean and and I know oh God I hate doing this in a movie about a uh, podcast about Lego Batman no but like I mean it's y- good like I mean straight up side note Black lives Matter. Uh, white silence is literally white violence. I hate that that rhymes. And also, like, go donate to a million or whatever these funds that are— the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Minnesota Freedom Fund, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I donated to that this morning. Like, uh, you know, and I'm sort of waiting to go through on my own social to do stuff. I've just been doing retweets right now because it's complicated and, you know— But, like, it, we all have to make sure that we're 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 speaking up however we are able to. And going back to Lego Batman— <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. well no it's, it's I mean it's uh, this is not a film that deals with that what was that I think I think that that, that that this is exactly the right thing to talk about when it comes to a movie like this which how is much, you know
3: which is strange that well you know what you know what okay yes and despite the fact that it is it reminds us of how horrible the world can be it is a good thing that we can take a topic like Lego fucking Batman and actually use it. <laughs> In a context like this because straight up yeah 2017 I, I i maybe someone wrote about it i don't think anyone was talking about this movie in that context and that's not to say that the things that are happening today weren't happening back then but like the a painful sore in america has been opened and now we can look at things that have been created in the past to hopefully uh, see what we like, what we don't like, lessons that can uh, can be learned, or ways that we don't want to do things in the future, um, right. uh, and also uh, fuck Clayface because he's the worst. I don't know. I'm trying to bring it back <laughs> well, to something like The thing, the thing that, and George, <laughs>
1: you should jump in here, but I, I feel like one thing that the I don't think that I think that a lot of the the films will offer up a small critique or a little they'll look at batman and examine and go like is this what we want Mm. um and they're not as good some are better than others I, i think that there's a point of we can disagree about this or agree but there's the movies aren't great about questioning like why why are the cops always the good guys
3: in these movies like mm-hmm. or or there the there's corrupt cops and that's the reason why Batman has to sort of exist a little bit depending. Right. Um but yeah, no that's very true. Like Gordon never, is there's never there's no
1: real critique of like a law and order
3: state.
0: But the yeah, I mean the, that's why like the Gordons for example, even though like for example in the, in the Nolan films obviously there's like a bit more nuance to the commissioner Gordon character, but he's never portrayed as being representative of a overall corrupt institution. He's just, like, again, the good apple.
3: He's the quote-unquote sh- one good cop. He's the yeah, one exactly. good cop. Because especially, yeah. did you guys watch Gotham? A little no, bit, I, not
0: not much. I never saw it, I don't know.
3: Uh, it, it starts real slow, gets real good, and then I fell off around season, like, three or four. But, like, it does handle Gotham and the police department in Gotham very, very well, I feel like, in, like... For as wackadoo as the plots are in the sort of bad guy a week mentality of that film, uh, Mm -hmm. it does show the gambit of of quality to not quality law enforcement officials. Um, And and it and it does delve into how complicated if you if you read it this way, how complicated even the good cops trying to do good lives can be right um right th- which which I had not see- really witnessed with this in a Batman film ever they are sort of always either they're the good ones but they just can't get it done uh or or there's corrupt cops that Batman has to sort of swoop in and become the non-corrupt cop in a weird like it's funny the Nolan films even though he is you know the cops chase him uh on a tank across rooftops but it never feels like I the vigilantiness of of Nolan's Batman never it just felt like a more militarized wing of the yeah. police. <laughs> no, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He, he's 100%. always to
0: the he's always to the right yeah. politically speaking to the cops.
3: Um. Yeah, but yeah. in this film. And there's not a lot of room for this. Even, I mean, we could go through why, even from a from a how much a film can handle and bolt it onto its frame. Um, and there's a lot going on in this film, be it the Lego tie-in, all of the bat references, all of the different characters, all of the well, side characters.
1: Yeah, did the IP stuff drive you guys nuts just to jump on that? Because I hated, like, when Sauron showed up and Voldemort showed. I was like, I get why they did it. <sighs> I just found it so like, because to me that stuff, and and I actually think some of the animation, I had a moment when they were like flying away on the bat wing thing. Yep. And I felt like I, I was like in the Matrix. Like I felt like for the first time I was just watching the ones and zeros on the screen as opposed to the movie <laughs> and being like, I'm just watching like a an att- like an IP attempt to, I felt the same way in Scoob. There's a scene where one of the characters for Halloween dresses up as a Harry Potter character. And I was just like, because obviously those are both yeah. Warner <laughs> Warner products. And I was just like, Ugh. like, it just feels, I feel like we're five years away from Superman being in a movie with Harry Potter. And that like kind of <laughs> makes me sad. And I also think there's just something like blatantly commercial about it in a way that the this movie somewhat avoids in other ways. Maybe that's naive, but I feel like there is some subversive things about this movie. So when Voldemort and, uh, whoever else show up. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I think why little crazy.
3: I, I can 100% see why it would bother you and it's funny because I would notice it, I'd be like, uh, and then like Agent Smith would show up and I'd be like, Ooh! like the joy <laughs> would always bring me back. Well, Matrix is different. Matrix yeah. is different. <laughs> but, but like, and then like the gremlins showed up.
0: Remlins like, here's awesome, why yeah. here's
3: why I think it didn't it didn't bother me. I think it balanced out for me. there were definitely like strong WB properties, all right right Sauron and and Voldemort specifically. But then you got a lot of classic universal monster movies. uh, you got sort right. of the the creature from the Black Lagoon monster in King Kong you had then you had like real obscure shit like which it which sad that gremlins are kind of obscure now i just bought the blu-ray 2 set and i have not watched it yet but Ugh, i cannot God. wait that
1: original gremlins movie i mean they both rule they're so they good. both rule for yeah for di- for different very reason. different reasons yeah. um
3: yeah. And, and what else was there there was like Oh, and like, I get that, like, the Raptors were supposed to kind of be Jurassic Park, but they didn't ever mention Jurassic. It was just Raptors. So, like, they, mm-hmm. I like that they I balanced. I
1: think it was the Toronto Raptors. I think it was supposed to be. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the Toronto... Is that what they were going for? <laughs> they're just, just like, they're dribbling basketballs. Yeah. It was very good.
3: I, I just, I, I liked it because, well, and then there's the other intrinsic thing. And again, perfect mash of uh, corporate want and greed. And tie into storytelling and world. Lego as a property has been consistent in wanting you to explore and combine things that Lego does. That's when I was point. a kid, I was one of those people that started to build the Lego pirate set, but like, but then like, what if I put rocket boosters on this fucking pirate yeah, ship? Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's fucked. That's so true. Yeah. So like it is true to the the uh the oeuvre of of Ooh. Lego. Even though it is a blind, cash-grab, corporate shill yeah. uh, event. Uh, You're but right. it's weird that it's also, like, <laughs> what a Lego set's supposed to do.
1: That's true. No, it's, that's a really good point. I think we should have a bell that goes off when we say oeuvre. Oeuvre, of Oovre. course. We should. Oovre. There should ding, be a ding, counter. Ding, ding, ding. Um,
0: Put that in, Liam. Work on it.
1: <laughs> this was great. I think we should wrap it on up. Yeah. Unless you guys have any other final closing thoughts.
3: Uh. uh great film watch it also go watch Jim Cotta not a great film I just w- want more people <laughs> to see it
1: I gotta watch Jim C- that is one thing that's interesting though is that I do th- I think that like you know I've been watching a fair amount of Sesame Street with my kid uh, HBO and I do f- I do feel it's great I yeah. do watch it guys you guys gotta check out uh not too late with Elmo his new talk show on the <laughs> HBO Max but um I do appreciate that these the, the humor cartoons kids shows they're always really for adults it just feels a little bit like when there's a Jim Cotta reference in a Lego movie, it just feels like it's a, it's almost like a little too on the nose. Like I'm almost like, yeah, I get it. it's for me. I get that this movie is for me a thirty seven year old male. like I get it. it's it's my thing. it's just it's 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 just a really interesting hey, side note. but you know I what? should watch Jim Cotta.
3: You should. And also film Studios Pander to Me. Yeah. I mean, granted, don't just pander to me. Pander to entirely of the people that are going to be watching your films in different ways. But I'll take the pandering that you give, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Uh, in my direction. George.
0: Jim Cotta Watch Party. That's
3: what we got to do. Jim Cotta Watch I think it's on Netflix.
0: Yeah, again, I just had a really fun time watching this film, and I highly recommend it.
1: Um, we didn't talk about Michael Mann at all, but that's fine. It doesn't really matter. Well,
0: it's funny because you mentioned Fincher, and I was like, why are you mentioning Fincher? This is, I thought we were going to do like the man talk.
1: Oh uh, yeah, well like they're both mannish,
0: man. Well it's just about like again the obsessive kind of masculine dude, right? Who's again kind of uh dealing with this kind of trauma and right. he's um, he's like a damaged, you know, human being and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's like a
3: dude. You're the Michael man now, dog. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, any okay, uh well that, that was that. Do we have anything we want to talk about? Next on the show, uh our final our final regular episode thank on Batman God, which is wow. actually on Joker. Uh the 2019 F- motion picture F- starring Joaquin Phoenix. Good and
3: good luck You
0: guys did a you guys did a great episode on it too. Oh, thank yeah, you. I'm going to go back and listen to that.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, in a couple of weeks we're going to have Mark Pagan from the Other Men Need Help podcast to talk nice. about Joker. Um then we're going to wrap up the season and then season 4 on the 16 films made by Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune.
3: Hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Comes out. Um, Please, if you have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. UberBusters.com. Podcast is UberBusters. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on all the places. And to um, emphasize, yeah, we'll include a link to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. This episode's going to come out later than... Um, yeah. Like hopefully, well, I mean, in some yeah, ways, we won't be talking about this in the same way that we are. But uh, regardless, I that's mean, people yeah. to give money, they're too. always doing good work anyway. They're doing good work. Um, please, uh, support support the people doing the work that needs to be done right now, and do the work. Um. Matthew.
3: Yes, Theo? Where can we...
1: Let's talk a little bit more about the only movie. The o- <laughs> Let's talk about the, the only, only podcast about movies. Um, it's, it's confusing because the asterisk
3: is somewhere. Uh, Why do we do it right now? We're doing... Um, oh, boy. Well, oh, oh, oh. Okay, so this will have come out by the time this airs. Nice. So people will go back. We are actually going to do The Matrix. Shahir and I have been nice. really wanting to go back and... Um, and, uh, you know, do some comfort food movies. We're also going to be doing Lord of the Rings at some point. But the great part about the Matrix episode, and I can say it's great even though we haven't recorded it yet, is because Keanu's due be to the it. fact that Shahir Dowd knows fucking everyone from New Zealand.
0: Oh, that's right.
3: Uh, we, got, we got, uh, I, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Julian Arahanga, uh, who played APOC. In the Matrix.
0: Oh, nice. Uh, Shahir does an
3: interview with him. I've heard snippets of it. It's fucking great. So look for us, uh, uh, SoundCloud, or uh, uh, you know, uh, we're on Spotify. The only podcast about movies, uh, The Matrix, for some insider stuff on that because it's it's amazing. <laughs> Don't right, listen to good. us. We'll link. Fast we'll forward link to, to that. Anything part. you send us. We'll fast yeah. forward. Skip the are other you, stuff.
0: Uh, uh, just quickly, are you guys doing the entire trilogy or just the first? Just one? the
3: first one for now uh wait oh, they made other ones
0: i think they did yeah uh-huh. i've heard no i
3: actually oh, do want i want to revisit them because <laughs> i never the... saw
1: the third one really like legitimately no i only saw reloaded Whoa. and i was like uh, and i never saw but now I, they're all on netflix so maybe i'll watch them
3: i i want to rewatch them because right now they're the meme right like oh like i did i literally did the dumb joke that everyone's done for years oh modern a matrix movie uh I want to rewatch them now with sort of fresh eyes because maybe I was too harsh on them. When they, maybe I not. love
1: the original so
3: much, I love yeah. it, and I the Animatrix uh, overall was wonderful, really and, good, and the video game Enter the Matrix Enter was the like Matrix legit was cool. Well, just um, the bullet time
1: stuff was so neat. Yeah, yeah,
3: but yeah, uh, please check out that episode. Also, uh, check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. I believe at this point we we'll have we will have wrapped up our oh our history series speaking of war uh we just did a series on a five part series on dividing the middle east which was basically Whoa. the story after world war 1 and how the great powers fucked everything up
0: there <laughs> some light stuff there yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: if you like sharpie, sound, sharpies sharpies on max uh come on down well we'll include links to all that
1: in there and i'm actually going to check that out that sounds uh really good george i forgot to mention our new tagline
0: do you want to mention it
1: yeah uberbusters Deep dives by dialectical dudes.
0: Yeah, the the dialecticist and the dutiest The, the most
1: dudiest. That's us. <laughs> the I most was...
3: dialectical dudes. Okay, isolate that.
1: That isolate. That's going in the intro <laughs> from now on. Um, Matt, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so Thanks, much, Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you it's guys, man.
3: It's so much fun talking with you. I'm glad you're doing well. I- I'm loving the show, and I'm very very happy to have gotten to be a small part in this building block. Uh, c- cornucopia of bat oeuvre that you have created. Brovering I really do appreciate brok.
0: it. I mean, again, if 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 kissing cousins can't get a, together every once in a while and talk about kissing films, what can com. we do?
1: Check out kissing I, oh, Don't buttons. go there. <laughs> I'm sure it exists, and it's
3: not. <laughs> yeah, I know, Liam. <laughs> I le- <laughs> let. me just check geez. it out. Maybe well, like well, maybe I, we could get like kissing cousins. To, edu. It, it
1: links to Donald Trump's website. That's, oh, that's so a, weird. Oh wow! I was Liam oh, Billingham.
0: I was, or maybe still am, George Fragopoulos.
3: And I am eternally Matthew Kroll. <laughs> <laughs> and this was...
2: Oovre <laughs> Busters. There we go. Buster. Oovre
3: Busters. Oovre yes, I was born an oovre.
0: You nailed it. I
3: didn't to cut.